It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into Jalen Williams sending a career high in the Thunder win over the Spurs and... Is the second half defense legit or not for the Oklahoma City Thunder, or will it look more like their first half defense in this one? It's the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Stiles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show... We're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder defeating the San Antonio Spurs on another comeback win. What a thrilling night it was. A career night for Jalen Williams. The defense wakes up in the second half. Plus, Usman Jang plays well. Trey Mann might be back, and we'll talk about Lou Dort and everyone else from this game as well. But let's start the way that we always do with our game overview. SGA out with a left hip contusion from that fall on Monday in New Orleans. Yeah, that was a fall in which you could look at that in real time and go, yeah, that's going to hurt a lot more when the adrenaline wears off and when you wake up the next morning. Uh, And so obviously you could not play on Wednesday, but the Thunder do have an off day on Thursday and another off day on Friday, and they'll be in Minnesota on Saturday. So hopefully by Saturday, he'll be able to play. Who knows? Uh, But we'll see. The Thunder will practice on Thursday and Friday. So we'll see an update, I'm sure, Eventually, between now and Saturday, Mike Muscala is out, of course, with that uh, pinky fracture. Chet Holmgren out for the year. And then Lindy Waters, Jalen Williams, uh, and Eugenio Murray are all with the blue. The Spurs had a laundry list of an injury report, but it's really Josh Richardson, Jeremy Sohan, uh, Blake Wesley, and Yaka Portal who are out for the Spurs. The Thunders start with Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Jalen Williams, Pokashevsky, and Jerry. Their top minute getters in this one are Jalen Williams, Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, Trey Mann, and Jay Hari. The Spurs started out with Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, Zach Collins, Trey Jones, and Keita uh, Bates-Diop. That was a lineup that was good enough to score 71st half points and grow a 20-point lead on OKC. Uh, I think that what's been frustrating for everyone, including Mark, Mark has talked about this too, being frustrating by it, in this last month or so, where the defense has fallen off statistically from where it had been for the Thunder, the most frustrating part is that they can do it. Like, they can play good defense. So, whenever you go in the first half and the Thunder get down by 20 points, the Thunder give up 35 points in the first quarter, give up 42 points in the second quarter, 
at the half, OKC has allowed 77 points. To this Spurs team, after a half of basketball, the Spurs had 77 points. The Spurs were dominating in the paint. Just dominating, living there, thriving in the paint. There was no resistance at all in the paint in the first half. On their way to those 77 points, they had like four three-pointers in the first half. The rest was just all paint, paint, paint. And so, whenever this Spurs team can put up 77 first-half points, of course there's going to be frustration for a Thunder team that has flirted with the top 10 rating defensively Mark's entire career. Of course, top 15 type of defense as well, even over this team was at its very worst. And yet, these Spurs are killing you? Well, what's happening? That, that was the big question at halftime. What is happening with this team that used to be so good defensively? We haven't seen it for a month. It was good in New Orleans, but past that New Orleans game, going all the way back to that game in Detroit earlier this month, like it's been bad. It's been a bad defensive group. Why is that? And I think it's just a case of a slump, like an offense can go through a slump, a defense can go through a slump, and you know, young players going through the ebbs and flows of of trying. That's all it is, is trying. And that's why it's been so frustrating is there's no magical spell. Whenever Mark talked about the second half turnaround after the game, because after allowing 77 points in the first half, 77, the Thunder allowed just 34 points, a season low in the entire second half. Mark said the difference was just effort, care factor, and toughness. That's all it is. This team is young enough, athletic enough, long enough, smart enough to make great defensive rotations, to deflect passes uh, in, in, the, in the passing lanes, to alter shots at the rim. This team can swish one through five. This team can throw wrinkles and, and, and looks at offenses that give them fits, especially when there's no star dominant player on the floor. You know, there's 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 no Luka, there's no Jason Tatum that just anyone, you know, no one can stop. Against a team like the Spurs, you shouldn't be giving up 77 points in the first half. It just comes down to effort, care factor, and toughness. And this is where Mark's got to tap back in with how to get that try hard each and every game. So game to game and also half to half. You know, it's got to happen in the first half too. It's kind of the new challenge, right? It feels like maybe, you know, he's been here for a while. So, you know, the 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 starting point might be off and you got to wait for him to kind of chew you out at halftime, so to say. Not that he's necessarily chewing anybody out, but uh, it feels like they're just waiting until halftime to make adjustments and they need to start faster. Like that's just the bottom line, but defensively specifically, it's just about effort because whenever they give the effort, whenever they, whenever they play like they care on that end of the floor, they're really good because this team is designed to be really good defensively. The coaching staff is a really good defensive coaching staff. The players are long, good defenders. So when they're back in their roots and they're and, and, and they have those rotations and they and they get those deflections and they utilize their length, they look really, really good. And so whenever the t- team looks bad defensively for a month, it's 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 not that anyone is not frustrated, it's not that anyone is avoiding the 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 topic of they've been bad. It's just what can you do? It's not like they forgot how to play defense. It's not like they they just magically are not talented enough anymore. You're just waiting around until they get that you know, kick up the rear to, to go kick it into gear, so to say. And so we'll see how long this can last because this is the pathway for them to win games. It's it's not going to be 
getting into shootouts, especially whenever Eshi is on the floor, like he isn't tonight. But you know, even whenever he is there, it'll be too hard to get into shootouts most of the time. It's going to come down to playing really good defense, and that's going to, I think, be the the ethos of this entire team whenever they're you know five years down the line still. And so you saw it; it's still there. Like I know it's been a rough month, but don't think for a second that this team can cannot play defense. It's it's been a rough month, but this team can still be a legitimate top ten defense in the NBA with these players. And even the players that they drafted, Usman Jang plays really good defense for a rookie. Jalen Williams plays really good defense for a rookie. Mark said after the game that Jalen Williams can be a special player on the defensive end. Well, we're all fawning over the 27 points, right? He points out his defense can be very special too whenever it's all said and done, whenever uh, he's developed and he's pl- and he plays good defense. And Josh pointed out how you know Jalen Williams is on uh, you know the first or second best option, depending if he's on the floor with Lou Dort or not. Like he's, he's taking the top two option on the, on the team, uh, that, that, that the Thunder are matched up with. That's what they trust a rookie into, and that's what they're looking for in the draft, and that's what they're scouting for. It's all predicated on defense, and this defense is good. They just need to show it. They just need to play good, and they did in the second half, and so I'm hoping that that can carry into Saturday against Minnesota and beyond because when this team plays hard defensively, when this team uh, plays their style defensively, they are incredibly fun to watch. And it leads to transition. It leads to easy buckets, and it helps your offense. It's it's a double edged sword. It's a it's a tilt, kill two birds with one stone. It, it all kind of goes in unison together, so to say. Now we're going to talk about Jalen Williams. We're going to talk about Usman Jang. We'll talk about all that coming up. But first, I want to say right now that this show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this year with odds, news, lines, props, scores. Everything you need is at Bet Online. It's this easy. You could type in betonline.net in your web browser. You go to their sports book and you can bet on anything from football, which is Thursday Night Football tonight, Bills, Patriots, Patriots at home. They are three and a half home dogs in, is it still called Foxborough? Fox, or, uh, is that the stadium? No, the same name is Gillette. Anyway, you can bet on that if you want to. And if you only care about the NBA, that's perfectly fine because you can bet on Mavericks Pistons, Mavericks seven and a half point uh, favorites in Detroit. So bet on that as well. And there's basketball future odds on everything from around the globe, plus NCAA action as well. So check it out. Bet online where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunder Pod. Let's talk Jalen Williams. Let's talk about the man who set a career high 27 points, got his first uh, ever 20 plus point game in the making as well. And we mentioned it during the defensive segment, but. You know, Mark and Josh both both praised him on the defensive end as well. 
the, the big thing that stands out for me here with Jalen Williams is how patient he is. He said after the end that he doesn't view himself as a rookie, and I think that that is more so true than cocky. Like, whenever you look at him, he doesn't play like a rookie. He's not sped up. He's not, he's not pressing. He's not timid. He's not deferring. He's just playing his role. He's just doing what he's supposed to do. He's not doing too much. He's not doing too little. He's not making those rookie mistakes. He's patient. He's under control. And he is efficient. I think another thing that stands out that he might not get enough credit for is his ability to be a pick-and-roll ball handler. Like, the way that he navigates a pick-and-roll is well above his years in the sense of, you know, NBA playing days. Seven first-quarter points, and you knew right there it was going to be a career night. I tweeted that very thing out on Twitter, so I'm not doing the whole LeBron meme. It's actually on Twitter. You can go uh, uh, see for yourself at Rylander Score Styles. Plays in 33 minutes, scores 27 points, six rebounds, two assists, two for three from three, he scored at all three levels of the game. He had the dagger floater to, to, to ice the game against the Spurs. He went uh, 11 for 15 from the floor. He made 73% of his shots. He missed four times all night. As someone who was kind of the offensive engine at times, whenever SGA, of course, can't play in this game, you, you went to your rookie to be your offensive engine, and he answers with four missed shots on just efficient movements. With the ball in his hands or out of his hands, the great cutting, the rim finishing, the strong, uh, grown man strength to take contact in the NBA and finish when you do and don't get calls, either or. That's huge to have that already and have that in your possession, in your bag as a rookie. But the cutting is spectacular. He knows exactly when to cut and even had that just unreal dunk, which even he's after the game, he didn't think he was going to dunk it. He, he was planning to lay it up, and then his arms are just too long, so he dunked it. Uh, but he's such a good rim finisher for a rookie. He's such a good pick-and-roll ball handler for a rookie. He's such a good defender for a rookie. He's such a good, you know, uh, just three-level scorer for a rookie. He takes on contact so well, has good footwork. When you're looking at Jalen Williams, I still think that this guy can be an all-star. Like, I, I, that's what I saw from him in the preseason uh, you know, and said in the preseason, that's what I'm going to say now. And it's important to note that not all these guys on the Thunder roster will pan out, just like not all the guys in the entire 2023 draft class, 22 draft class, 21 draft class, and every draft class, not, no one all pans out, right? Even though you want them to, even though you root for them, they don't all pan out. But if I'm betting money, if I'm going to if I'm gonna take some of my own hard-earned cash and I'm going to put it on the table for one guy to pan out besides Chet and Shea, you know, you know the drill. Don't don't act silly. So bear with me. If I was gonna bet on one person to pan out from this team, besides the obvious, it would be Jalen Williams. I think that he just has too many things in his possession. He has too many things that he does well to ever hold him back. Like he he does too much stuff good that he can't fail because you're going to be able to hone in on two or three of these things and make them great. And obviously, being an all-star, as we've seen with Shea, like being an all-star is subjective. Like, are you an injury replacement? Can you get the fan votes? Do the players respect you? Whatever. But there's no debating that the last two years, Shea's been an all-star. He just hasn't been named to an all-star team. And so that's mainly what I'm talking about whenever talking about Jalen Williams. Like, he's going to play at an all-star level. Will he actually get compensated for that? Heck, it took Mike Conley 17,000 years to become an all-star. I don't know if he's ever going to get compensated for playing at an all-star level, but I think that he will play at an all-star level. 
So uh, that's just kind of how I, I feel about Jalen ever since the draft. And J-Dub showed that specifically in this game against the Spurs. But his rookie counterpart and fellow lottery pick, Usman Jang, also played very well. He got dunked on by Isaiah Roby, which was um, very conflicting for me. And then Isaiah Roby got, just got denied at the rim by Lou Dort, which set up an Usman Jang uh, dunk in, in transition. So it actually was like Lou Dort taking up for Usman Jang a little bit um, in kind of a funny way. Yeah, uh, Usman Jang had two uh, slams and a rebound in the first quarter. Played really good defense. Like whenever you consider how raw he is and, and how young he is, he plays really good defense. And he continues to get stronger at the rim. Remember in the preseason where the big conversation was, why isn't he dunking? Why isn't he dunking? And he's still not dunking it done in the NBA, which I, I wonder what the difference is because in the G League, it was obvious. Like he was dunking a ton, dunking a ton. I was tweeting it out every time that he would dunk. I would tweet, Usman just dunked. Usman just dunked. And I asked him about it after the, after a game in the G League. And I said, you know, you're dunking way more in the G League than you do in the NBA. Why is that? And he basically just said it's, it's just what the defense is giving him. But... It was obvious how how less aggressive he was being in the preseason, which is why when the Thunder sent him down to the blue, Mark and Cameron Woods, head coach of the blue, said that they want to see him play with more force. Every time I ever bring up Jalen Williams from Arkansas or Usman Jang to Cameron Woods, he tells me they got to play with force offensively. And both of them have done a great job of that in the G League. And Usman has gotten his shot now to play in the NBA after his first G-League stint, and he's he's translated that into the NBA so far. He's gotten a lot stronger going up in the rim. He's, I don't know the word to describe it, because again, I'm not Usman Jang, but it seems like he's more willing to mix it up for rebounds and, and more assertive. It's, it's less just floating around from spot to spot on the floor, not wanting to mess things up. It's more, it's more, controlled chaos, right? Like, like it's more diving into the mix, but not like out of control. It's just, I'm not going to stand here and be a bystander. I'm going to go in there, try to tap out a rebound. I'm going to go try to finish at the ramp. I'm going to go uh, try to, to get what's mine. So to say, versus again, f- just floating around uh, to, to his designated area. In this game, Usman Jang played 22 points, 10, uh, 22 minutes, 10 points, one miss, which was a straightaway three. Other than that, he was perfect. Seven rebounds and assist. Play with more force, and it was a really good defender for a rookie. Like, Usman Jang played really well in this game. Going to be overshadowed, of course, by his lottery pick counterpart who had a career-high night, but Usman played very, very well. We'll talk Lou Dort. We'll talk Trey Mann, Darius Baisley, Kenny Hustle, Josh Giddy, and how the Thunder won this game all coming up. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, giving you all you need to know in under 30 minutes or less. Taking you beyond the box score and behind the scenes, Locked On Sports today. So we've talked the rookies, we've talked the defense, let's talk Lou Dort, had the massive block on Roby, a few and ones, 23 points, four assists, two blocks, a rebound, three for seven from three, he shot 46% from the floor, only had two turnovers for as much as he was initiating the offense, there was a little bit of a lull that he had, I believe like the start of the fourth quarter it felt like, uh, but only two turnovers for someone who is, who is 
obviously not designed to be a on-ball player. He was in college, but it's just never worked out at this level in the NBA. And he was kind of thrust into that at times and still did a good job balancing that and playing off-ball. Did a good job stepping up, though. Did a really good job rotating on defense. Did a really good job floating around defensively because there's no, like, absolute superstar on the other team to guard. Keldon Johnson's really good, but but besides Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell, like, you, you can kind of use your your best defender as a Swiss Army knife. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And so, I thought Ludwig played well. It was funny after the game, they were, you know, he was asked, how does it feel to be the leader now that Shea's out in this one? Because now now with Shea out of the equation, you're the, the longest tenured third player on the floor. You're the guy on the floor. And he just said, you know, he, he tried to do his job every single time, setting the tempo, setting the tone. And then Jalen Williams made a good comment, too. Jalen Williams, I've seen it clear, obviously, J-Dub. Uh, he was going to ask that same thing of, like, who's y'all turn to tonight without Shea whenever you got down 20 points? And, J- and J-Dub said, it's really everybody. Like, it's on everyone to to be a leader. It, it's by design of us all being the same age. It's easy to hold somebody accountable. It's easy to, to basically, it's easy to yell at them because it's not as though you're yelling at a, a future Hall of Fame, or you're not yelling at somebody you know, twice your age, you're yelling at a peer, or you're, you're yelling at somebody who is on your level. And so uh, that's just another interesting wrinkle of this roster design that the Thunder have where where they can, you know, where they, they now have a roster in which everyone can hold everyone accountable. Obviously, Shea's going to be the, the, the big dog whenever he's back, but even whenever he's there, uh, it's on everyone to, to lead and everybody to kind of set the tone for, for the team. Trey Mann had one of his better games in a long, 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 long time. Uh, he's been really bad since the injury. There's no sugarcoating that. But he was much better tonight at bringing the intensity. He brought the physicality to the rim and had better rim finishing. He didn't wait to get hit, so to say. Like, he just went and, and took charge and, and initiated the contact, uh, which was a big deal for him. Routed off six points in seven minutes of action. Uh, 26 minutes later, uh, that's all he played in this game was 26 minutes, 16 points, three rebounds and assists, two steals, two for five from three, including that step back three that we all missed. But still, even going two for five from three, he shot 53% from the floor. Really good game from Trey Mann, something that we have not seen in a long time since since that injury. So maybe this can be a, a, a launching point for Trey Mann as well. Uh, Darius Baisley was huge off the bench, only scored one point. Like the, the box score, if you do not watch this game, one point, three rebounds, a block, doesn't seem good at all. But he's a plus 14. He played great defense without fouling and made jump shots difficult for San Antonio. And even whenever San Antonio did, um, you know, score over him, it was, it was not because 
of anything that you know, that I basically did, like basically was playing great defense and smothering them. It's just a difficult shot. Whereas Paul George would say it's just a bad shot. And so he didn't even play until the middle of the third quarter whenever there's just no other option. Like at this point, everyone is frustrated. Everybody's upset that the literal Spurs are just having their way offensively, especially considering all the players that they're missing. And then the Thunder give him a shot and he comes in and plays really good defense and changes the momentum of the game. Uh, the Thunder also got a really game from Kenny Hustle. Like Kenny Hustle went four for four, all just dominating the mid range, nine points, four uh, rebounds. One of his better games overall, 16 minutes as well. Uh, one of his better games of the season, honestly. And so it's been incrementally increasing of, of when we say that, right? It seems like game to game, we're saying, oh, one of his better games, one of his better games. And, and it's, it's getting better each time, so maybe he's rounding into form. Josh Giddy still cannot get it going offensively. But I do, it's, I do respect that he finds ways to still stay in it offensively. So, like, he scores 14 points and shoots, you know, 7 for 18, which is not good. Like, the shooting has to get better. He's 0 for 1 from 3, 7 for 18 from the floor. But he knows that, and he knows that the shooting will be a deciding factor in his career, and he knows that the shooting has to get better just in general. And he's working on it to get better, and he says after the game that he still trusts Chip England and is, and is just going to follow his, you know, basically follow his guidance no matter how long it takes, you know, this this whole year, next whole year, whatever it is, that he's going to follow their guidance and follow their, you know, follow his kind of, regime, whatever you want to call it, routine, whatever you want to call it that he's doing with Chip England. Um, but even so, as frustrating as, as, as it has to be to be shooting poorly, he gets 14 rebounds, dishes out five assists, gets two steals, uh, has some nice rim finishes. Like He still is mixing it up down low to tap out rebounds and save possessions for OKC, which is a way that he can possibly impact the offense while he's not shooting great. And he's not. He's not playing good as a as a score offensively, but he is finding ways to impact the game in a positive way elsewhere. I also just want to point out that one of his two steals was a ball that was just inbounded right to him by the Spurs. And then he ran on the floor and shot a floater. And if OKC did this, like like if OKC blew a 20 point lead in which in the second half, they only scored like 35 points. And one of the plays was the thunder literally inbounding the ball to the wrong team there would be no more thunder. Like, like the national media would, would fall over themselves to just, I, I don't know what they would do. I think that that would be the day that Twitter dies. Like that would be the day that Twitter breaks. They'd write a song about it. They would write a song about it. The day that Twitter dies because the thunder blew a 20 point lead to the Spurs and inbound the ball to the wrong guy. Like if the thunder did this, if the, ro- if the roles were reversed, I, I just can't even imagine. I really can't. Uh, but the thunder won this game. Uh, they let the Spurs dominate the paint in the first half. They got down 20 points, but then the Thunder grew an eight-point lead, really thanks to um, a 9-0 run to start the third quarter. Eight lead changes, six times tied. The Thunder got nine more rebounds than the Spurs. They also committed one more turnover, although it was only 11 turnovers. So this was a game in which Mark had talked about a couple weeks ago where these, these turnover numbers are going to start leveling out, and they they did in this game 11-10. to 10. But here's the kicker. I just went on that diatribe on the last podcast about uh, – you gotta cash in your turnovers. The Thunder lose the turnover battle eleven to ten, but they win the points off turnovers battle by scoring twenty points off of turnovers to the Spurs eight, uh, which is a big big deal in swinging the momentum of this game. 
Uh, there were six lead changes, uh, six ties, eight time, eight lead changes. OKC got nine re- uh, more rebounds. OKC shot 51-33-66. I think that this is pretty repeatable in the sense of the 51-33 part. You can shoot 51% from the floor again. You can shoot 33% from three again. And I think that the free throw number will improve. Like, it, it will improve whenever you get back SGA, of course, because he'll go to the line more and he'll knock more of them down. Uh, and then, of course, even if you want to play Muscala, he'll knock up, he'll knock more down. We know that you know, hypothetically in the future, Chad Holmgren, of course, uh, can shoot better from three and free throw than almost anyone on this team right now. So, like, this is a pretty realistic line from OKC. The Spurs went 44, 27, uh, 76. Points in the paint was OKC 70 to 59, 70 to 54. So we talked about how the Spurs dominated the points in the paint in the first half, but yet at the end of the game, the Thunder won points in the paint 70 to 54. That's incredible. Uh, second chance points with OKC 50 to uh, 15 to 12. Fast break points with the San Antonio 11 to 8. OKC was of course better on the points off of turnover category, and they got their 12th 15 plus point comeback win dating back to the start of last season, which is the most in the NBA. This is their fourth 15-plus point comeback win this season, which also leads the league. The bet of the day was OKC minus three. That covered. MVP pick of the game is Jalen Williams. J-Dub was fantastic, and he deserves to be the MVP of this game and did a great, great job manning the ship without Shea. We'll talk tomorrow about your questions and also We're going to have a podcast about what we're thankful for with the Oklahoma City Thunder and life in general. So leave it down below in the comment section on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at RylanderscoreStyles. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 